Coming up on today's Tea with Kenny P. Ken pretends he's a real survivalist woodsman as he drinks roasted twig tea. Then Ken tries to avoid his lack of trextra progress by changing the subject with rants about notebooks and retweets. After which, we meet Ken's Alf-obsessed neighbor and get a sample of his podcast. Alf is back, dear listener, in podcast form. Smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. Recently, Mrs. Today's Tea bought some trail mix, dear listener. Specifically, it was Kirkland Signature brand from Costco. I was happy to see they didn't skimp on the cashews or almonds. And there was just enough raisins and peanuts to make themselves welcome a random handful. And that's my test when evaluating trail mix, by the way. You should be able to grab a decent mouse-sized scoop and blindly toss it in without any ingredient dominating the others. And all the ingredients should be welcome. A party in your mouth, so to speak. Now anyone familiar with the Kirkland Signature trail mix might notice I've neglected to mention their most controversial ingredient. It is but a simple five-ingredient mix, after all. Unless you count salt. That mineral which binds the other ingredients into one cohesive mix. Now, I've always thought trail mix was a mix of edible items you just might find on a trail. My wife assures me I'm wrong, and I've always been wrong. According to her, trail mix is a high-calorie, high-energy mix designed to get you through the trail. And I'll have to admit to her as well as you, dear listener, I've never come across a cashew or craisin out in the wild. But it's possible, right? I'd always imagined hunter-gatherers from days of old returning to their families after weeks in the bush to hand over a big burlap sack full of what's essentially a primitive form of trail mix. Wild cashews, craisins, maybe some of that toasted corn I like so much. Maybe some fancy hunter-gatherer dad would throw in the odd wasabi pea. Unprobable, sure. But none of it's unfathomable. Which is why I disprove of Kirkland, including wild M&Ms in their signature mix. As any skilled wilderness man knows. Anything found in nature with a hard, brightly colored shell will most assuredly be poisonous. Also, it goes without saying. You should avoid anything found in nature that looks like chocolate. I realize we live in a more civilized age, dear listener, where the most difficult part of consuming this energy-rich survival mix is opening the resealable bag, which is why I'm choosing to eat it, offending M&Ms and all. I will not go hungry in protest, dear listener, nor will I get into an impassioned altercation with my wife, or perhaps you, dear listener. Who happen to like the M&M's among the nuts and raisins. But the purest in me can't help but feel like we've lost something. Which is why I'm counterbalancing this decadent, over-civilized trail mix 
with roasted twigs tea. I'm not kidding, dear listener. The twigs are the sticks that hold the green tea leaves. The twigs are roasted to make a green tea with a slightly more sticky flavor. I guess it's also got less caffeine. It's a great tea for when you want to eat something civilized and fancy, like a souffle, but you still want to feel like the survivalist lumberjack you know you are. Deep down in your soul, I mean, under a layer of micromodal fabric designed to draw any sort of discomfort from your delicate skin. Roasted twigs. That's today's tea. Ooh, great backpack. Looks like the new five-star first gear. She's checking me out big time. The notebooks are great, too. I think she's in love. That binder could really get me together. She's mesmerized by my bulging biceps. And nylon is so strong. She thinks I'm a god among men. Ooh, he's got the new first gear. I'll have to fight him off with a stick. Five-star first gear from Mead. A whole new way to carry yourself. Well, dear listener, more details are emerging of that new Star Trek series. Now entitled Star Trek Discovery, or Star Trek Disco, as I like to call it. I guess it'll have a female lead. Star Trek has always been progressive. And you know what I think would be really progressive? If the female lead had a house husband. But he's not like a super handsome arm candy type husband. He's a bit of a chubby boy. But he keeps the quarters tidy and he makes pies and stuff. No food replicator for him. And maybe he makes podcasts. Just as a hobby, you know, her career comes first. He's definitely not a main character, kind of like Data's cat. You know how to reach me, Star Trek casting. Ken at today's tea with KennyP.com. But I believe on the last podcast, I teased some phone calls. Well, there were phone calls. Though I didn't get permission to use them. Frankly, they weren't very interesting anyway. Anyway, I'm trying not to lose steam here on my quest to become a Star Trek extra. To be honest, the news that it's a prequel has me less enthusiastic. I think the best part of a new Trek series is the cool new tech. Like how the original introduced us to the teleporter for the first time. Or the holodeck in TNG. Or the holographic doctor in Voyager. In terms of progress... I did get an Ontario Workplace Health and Safety Certificate, which is apparently required when you show up for an extra gig. Back in another lifetime, I used to make similar health and safety videos and online tests. But I'll be the first to admit, dear listener, this is pretty lame progress. Pretty weak sauce. Anyway, recently I had some time off. Whenever I have a stretch of time off, I like to bring along a notebook. I often fantasize about having an infinite amount of time and an infinite amount of notebooks with an infinite supply of mechanical pencils. Now, I know there's a lot of folks out there who love a good notebook and get themselves some fancy leather-bound thing, but I prefer what I believe they call a composition notebook, you know? They've got like a cover that's, that's white and heavily speckled with some other single color. They're like 50 cents ruled pages with a stitch binding. Sure, coiled binding is easier to remove a page, but that brings me to my point about why I fancy these cheap composition notebooks in the first place. In my younger days, I'd look at a fresh, clean notebook and envision myself filling it with brilliant notes and sketches like I was da Vinci. Well, one of two things would happen. Either my notebook would remain pristine and unused, 
as my once fertile mind becomes paralyzed, straining to come up with something worthy of a genius's notebook, or I get to work deeming the idea in my brain to have sufficient brilliance for a notebook worthy of Kenny P. Of course, afterwards, when it's all on the page, it doesn't seem quite as I envisioned. No matter, the pages in those spiral brown notebooks tear out ever so easily, leaving not a trace. No one's the wiser. I mean, even da Vinci probably had an off day and, and tore out a sheet or two, and you end up with a notebook that's got like only ten blank pages in it. Here's what I found, dear listener. We're much better off producing as many imperfect pages and sharing for all the world to see than to be paralyzed because that thing we made isn't up to the brilliance you want to be associated with. If I could do it over again, I'd have hundreds of hilariously bad notebooks. I'd celebrate all the lousy doodles, nonsensical song lyrics, horrible poetry, and derivative stories. And if you're anything like me, dear listener, you're your own worst critic. Who knows, maybe da Vinci was sketching away some crazy flying contraption and thinking, Boy, I sure hope nobody finds this. I mean, bat wings? You flap with your arms? What was I on when I drew this one? And as you know, this here podcast is like one of these notebooks. It's no secret that these episodes here have been few and far between. Maybe I need to do a little less editing. Maybe worry less about what I'm going to say. Or that I haven't done enough on my quest to become a Star Trek extra since the last episode. Maybe I should just press record on my commute to work and slap it on the feed each night. Or I could look at, say, a Dan Carlin from the Hardcore History Podcast, who puts out one epic episode every what seems to be four or five months. But it's full of well-researched brilliance, all one cohesive thought, no tangents, like this one I'm currently on. And how did I get on this topic? Oh yeah, notebooks and Star Trek. Well, when I had time off, I was sketching some in my notebook, and I was tweeting my sketches. And one of the sketches was was of Dr. Beverly Crusher, you know, Wesley's mom. And I tweeted it to Gates McFadden, the actress what plays Dr. Crusher. And she retweeted it. She didn't just click the like button. She did that too, but an actual retweet. So yeah, I'm kind of a big deal now, I guess. And speaking of being a big deal, I had a question come in via email. I mean, it was from my cousin who discovered my podcast through my dad. But dear listener, cousin or no, you matter to me. And can I tell you a secret? You ready? You're, you're actually my favorite. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You, dear listener. You're looking around, aren't you? To see if I mean someone else. No, I mean you. Anyway, on to the question. Cue that jingle. One, two, three, four. Listener interaction. I'm going to sum up the question. Basically, it was whether or not I raise my kids to be geeks or part of the geek culture, if you will. And my answer is no, or at least not intentionally. I don't know, maybe I do. I try and show my kids things I think they'll like. Often, they're not really into it. Neither of my kids like Star Trek, for instance. 
But I do try to convince them to pursue their passions and not be ashamed of whatever they're into, which I think is the essence of what's known as geek culture. Do not be ashamed of how much you're into computers or space or copper plumbing or vintage telephones or whatever. Does that make sense? Follow your bliss. Unless your bliss happens to be a powerfully addictive narcotic. In which case, I don't recommend it. And when he looked up, he saw the man with the eyes. Weird! And now it's his turn. It all started back when I was a kid on Melmac. And my name was Gordon. Gordon Shumway. Actually, I prefer Alf. It's new storytelling Alf. He sings, he moves, he tells stories, and even knock-knock jokes with lots of uproarious cassettes to choose from. I'll tell you, kiddo, I'm just having too much fun. Storytelling Alf. Extra cassettes sold separately. Batteries not included. New from Coleco. Ha! So, this isn't a normal thing, but I was talking to my neighbor, and I kind of made him a promise. He's really into that. You remember that show Alf? He's... He's in the ALF, so much so that he makes these cassette tapes where he breaks down an episode, and he tries to sell them at the big farmer's market nearby. I explained to him what podcasting was, and I kind of agreed to help him out. So until he gets his own feed, dear listener, I agreed to just kind of paste an episode at the end here. And I'm sorry if you want to skip past this next bit, I'll understand. Here's... Keith Relish with the Alf cast. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Alf cast. That's the Alf Loving Friends podcast. And for those of you who've been subscribing to the audio cassettes, and by that I mean you, Greg, because Terry, I refuse to pay postage anymore. Well, now you can just download the program right here from the internet. Anyway, I should thank my niece Tammy for giving me her SanDisk Sansa digital audio player. She opened my eyes to this whole new world of podcasting you can download. Well, it wasn't long before I thought to myself, nuts to those silly old cassette tapes. I can just make my audio recordings here on a... In a SanDisk Sansa compatible format, where us early adopters can easily download and leave those fuddy duddies with their audio cassettes back in the 2000s. Am I right? Well, enough about all that. We're here to talk about Elf. This episode, we'll be talking about that classic from season one, episode 17, called Border Song. You remember, that's the episode where. Alf meets Luis Mancia. This is Luis Mancia. The young immigrant Mexican boy. Alf is making a garden in the Tanner's backyard. No, it's for my garden. My crops aren't doing very well. I forgot to prime the soil with manure before I planted. Meanwhile, Willie is trying to get Luis on the bus to return him to his father. But Willie accidentally takes him home. Seems your uh, Mexican kid missed his bus yesterday. So Lewis needs to stay at the Tanners for the night. And when they're all asleep, Lewis tries to escape through the backyard. But when Lewis sees the condition of Al's garden, he just can't help himself. 
He needs to get out. He needs to get his hand in there and and help out. But Alf hears the commotion and he thinks it's Bob Barker. Bob Barker. You know the Akmonix Chihuahua. And he jumps out and he gives Lewis the fright of his life, his lifetime. Tu eres un diablo. We find out Lewis actually wants to go home. You ruined it. I almost got to go home in a bus, but you ruined everything. But Alf convinces him that the United States is a is a pretty good place to be from one alien to another. Luis and I have become very close. All in all, I'd say it's a pretty great episode. I feel I learned a lot from the hard-working Mexican people. They're not just about spicy food and sombreros and those wrestlers, you know, with the masks and then the and the cheesy gordita crunch wraps and that was a pretty that pretty holiday with an like the Halloween, but more pretty with with the without the kids throwing the eggs and toilet paper all over your house and and busting up your pumpkins and 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 tackling you at your front door and and taking all your candy and and writing and and writing dill munchkin on your forehead with permanent marker okay i i printed off some some emails to read to you all you can send your emails to keithrellis at friendgarden.biz. That's Keith Mellis, all one word, with the at sign, which which is shift two on your keyboard. Friend Garden, that's all one word, dot, dot biz, which is short for, for business, I guess. I guess, but it has, has a Z. Or you can use um, Twitter. My name is the at sign Keith Relish. But we got a, a letter from Chris Greenley. He writes, Hi, Keith. I'm 19, and I recently discovered the television show Elf. And now I, too, am an Elf-loving friend like you. I've watched every episode of Elf, the sitcom, in brackets, several times and the animated series or or TAS as he calls it but i was overcome with depression when i realized the tanner family wasn't in the in the cartoon now if i might interject something here i agree with chris's sentiment but calling the show a cartoon sort of implies that it's a show for for children, and clearly, this is an animated series. Like it's right, right in the name of the show. Like, like all sanctioned off entertainment, it's appropriate for the whole family and and not just and not just children. But just because NBC didn't have the foresight to air the show during during prime time. Doesn't make it a, a Saturday morning cartoon, all right? It's actually a, a Saturday morning animated series. And notice I said, Alf sanctioned entertainment. I don't mean the the inappropriate smut from from the sickos out there. 
you the 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 people who who just want to make it all in into a a twisted nasty mess and sickos sorry i i got a, i got sidetracked there but then i found out there was a live action movie and i immediately ordered a copy when it came in the mail i was again disappointed there weren't any tanners in it where are the tanners and why must i feel such sadness here's another email Hey, Alfcast. Thanks for curing my narcolepsy. Your obsessive ranting about an irrelevant sitcom is like audio ambient. Harry and the Hendersons, FTW. Well, Harry and the Hendercast at SkyMail.com, I know who you guys are, and let me tell you, there's there's, there's one reason to watch Harry and the Hendersons and that's because if you squint your eyes really tight, you'll almost think you're watching Alf. Also, if I were curing narcolepsy, that I mean I'm actually keeping you awake, you big dummy. I think you mean to say insomnia, but you, you think Harry and the Hendersons is a better show than Alf, so I wouldn't even expect you to be very smart. And what's so, so great about a big grunty skunk ape anyway? He he just grunts and breaks things. That's supposed to be funny? Oh, look, his, his feet just broke the coffee table. Actually, that is kind of funny. But he's no elf, not even close. So so don't, don't write me unless you're going to talk about elf or maybe send an apology. I mean, how would you like it? If I send you an email to, to Harry and the Hendercast and, and, and tried to hurt your feelings, I wonder if there's a way to, to block them from, from, from listening. Maybe write a letter to iTunes or, or something. Well, let's, let's end on a, on a more happy note as, as, a, as, a, as a special treat. We have a noted slam poet, Gallifrunk, who is here to, to recite some Alf-related poetry for us. S- s- hello, Gallifrunk. Um, what is, is slam poetry? Well, slam poetry is about battling with words and busting chomps with mad ciphers. So it's 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 kind of like a limerick then. Um, sure, I I, I guess. Well, well, Gallifrunk, am am I saying that right, Gallifrunk? Yes, Gallifrunk, Time Lord of the Street Beats. Okay, uh, okay, Gallifrunk. Why don't we hear the poem you've prepared for us today? Milmacian. Come feast on our cats. Indulge with us in situational hilarity. Won't you bipedally troll our ochmonics? Come max out our plastic. Gorge yourself on mail-order fantastic. Destroy our garage and our lawn 
will come sup on our nostalgic novelty. With your ham radios and rock videos you come. With your Melmachian mating ritual you come. Our suburban nuclear families are here to delight you. So clap, clap with your muffled hair hands. Um, thank you, Gallifrunk, for, for, for that. And until next time, elf-loving friends, keep your eyes on your cat and keep looking at those stars. Thank you for listening to today's Tea with Kenny P. Please send your questions, thoughts, and feedback to Ken at todaysteawithkennyp.com or at Pelican on Twitter. If you like the show, give it a glowing review wherever you find podcasts. And better yet, recommend this show to a friend. 